Good morning. It is Tuesday, November 10th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Back again, joined by Chris Hummer, National College Football Reporter for 24-7 Sports. Yesterday, Chris joined the show to recap the Week 10 action, and today, he's back, much to everybody's delight, to talk about the playoff race. It's a Tuesday in November. Feels like we should be talking about playoff projections, like we usually are. Uh, The rankings don't actually start coming out, though, until November 24th, so we we got a few weeks. We got two weeks, but... I think we need to get the ball rolling on this, right, Chris? And and you you do such a good job for twenty four seven sports at at projecting um, how the how the field is going to look and helping walk through the loopholes and all the storylines. So let's start with like let let's walk through your top four. And this is it's under my, my impression this is not your top four. This is what you think the committee would do if they had to come out right now with their own. Yeah. Um- for sure. And like normally we would be talking about playoff. We'd be right in the middle of kind of the playoff rankings push right now. And actually, if it wasn't for Larry Scott asking for kind of a stay and the rankings being uh, delayed by a week or two, we'd be talking about rankings on Tuesday anyway. But um, yeah, they start November 24th. And if we're projecting right now based on what's happened and looking at how the committee selects teams, I've got Alabama number one. And I don't think it's particularly close. In that regard, thanks to its wins over Texas A&M and Georgia uh, head-to-head and its overall dominance against the schedule that includes two top 25 teams and kind of the SEC difficulty that we see the committee, even if the SEC is a little down like it is this year, reward year after year. I think Alabama has pretty unquestionably been the most dominant team on paper outside of maybe some G5 teams, and it's also kind of done so in a league that lends itself. Uh, to a really uh, high playoff ranking to start. So Alabama's my number one team. And they've really silenced any defensive questions. I don't know if they'll be tested again this year, uh, perhaps against Auburn Thanksgiving week, and then maybe the last game of the year against Arkansas. But it you know certainly shouldn't be worried about LSU this weekend. Who do you have at number two? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's another easy choice. It's Notre Dame uh, following there. Mm. Upset win over Clemson on Saturday, the number one team in the country. Notre Dame is undefeated, and it's one of only a handful of teams that are undefeated right now that have played more than, what, like a fourth of their schedule or something like that. Ohio State's over a fourth now since the Big Ten's only playing, a ten, or playing only eight games. But uh, Notre Dame is 7-0. and They have wins over Clemson. The rest of their schedule isn't exactly killer, but they destroyed Pittsburgh, a really good team. Um, they well, honestly, that's the end of the road for Notre Dame's quality victories at that point. It's uh, Clemson and Pittsburgh, but a Clemson victory goes a long way, especially when you talk about their sample size being so much larger than an Ohio State, for example. All right, three. I've got Clemson. Um, okay, I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be some Ohio State fans that are really upset by that. But it's a it's a really difficult choice. We've never seen a situation from the committee where they're judging a essentially what's going to be a eight a team that's played eight games versus a team that's played three. Um, we've seen situations where the committee judges a team that's played nine games versus eight. Uh, I think we've even seen situations where the committee judged a, 10, uh, 10, a team that's played 10 versus a team that's played eight due to some cancelizations and some bye weeks. But we've never seen this wide of a gap. And for Clemson, I think what's working in its favor is it has a win over Miami in really convincing fashion. And Miami would be a top 10 team in my projections. I have them seventh, actually. So they have that going for them. And then their loss to Notre Dame, while the loss came without the best player in college football, Trevor Lawrence, 
And the college football playoff committee does take injuries into account. And it also came by the end of the game with, I think, eight of 11 week one starters out defensively for Clemson. They were really banged up. And when you consider the fact the game was on the road, when you consider the fact the game went to overtime, and you consider the fact that Notre Dame needed a game-winning drive to even force overtime, I think Clemson's got a pretty compelling argument, at least for now, with one loss to stay ahead of Ohio State. So a fun hypothetical setting up in the ACC title game. We'll get there once we get through your top six. So four would obviously then be Ohio State. Do you see any any map for Ohio State to, to move up to the number one spot like they wanted to, like, you know what I mean? Like we, we went into the season thinking Ohio State might really be the best team in college football. When we did our 24-7 sports preseason projections before the season shut down, they were number one. I don't see a route for them to move up unless Alabama loses. There's just not enough on the schedule. Yeah, I can see Ohio State being two by season's end. Let's yeah. say Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC championship game and Ohio State finishes unbeaten. But yeah, there's just not enough juice. Like, Ohio State's best win right now is over an 0-3 Penn State team. Um, oh. Right now, the best win on Ohio State's schedule looking forward is Indiana. And I, I'm sorry to Indiana. They're ranked in the top 10 of the AP poll. Great story, but that does not carry the weight the Big Ten East normally would. So, no, I think Ohio State's ceiling is limited in terms of the college football playoff ranking. And they might have the bad luck facing, I guess, Clemson or Notre Dame as that three seed if we – project out that far while Alabama gets that really friendly number four seed potentially. So right. yeah, the schedule's just not there. So that's your top, that's your top four. And the, the two on the peripheral, one controls their own destiny. The other doesn't. Yeah. So Texas A&M right now, five does not control their own destiny because they already lost head to head with Alabama, Florida, on the other hand, which is my sixth seed coming off that win over Georgia does I realized Florida lost to Texas A&M, which yeah, is why they're ranked to, as they are. You got to explain that. Yeah, so Texas A&M beat Florida head-to-head at home by three points. So Texas A&M has a head-to-head win over Florida. So therefore, Texas A&M ranks ahead of Florida right now with both teams having one loss. Florida's loss came to Texas A&M. Texas A&M's loss came to Alabama. What Florida has working for it is, like, barring something really, really going wrong for Florida the rest of the way, they're going to walk into the SEC championship game as a one-loss team playing Alabama and unbeaten. If Florida wins that game and finishes as the SEC champion with one loss, they are going to get in the uh, college football playoff, and so is Alabama as long as that game is close, which means Texas A&M is kind of left on the outside looking in, potentially at 9-1. and one. However, if Florida loses and the SEC championship game to Alabama finishes with two losses, A&M has an excellent chance to sneak into the playoff as a 9-1 and one team with only one loss being to Alabama. So that's kind of how that picture looks. Although there are a lot of moving pieces behind those two teams that could factor into that kind of equation. So many moving pieces. The group of five in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. The Big 12 doesn't get to wonder what what about us. They've cannibalized itself, which is, you know, all right. The conference had a nice streak going. I, I think we all figured this might not be the year they make it in, and we don't even know who it would be. So let's not talk about the Big 12. The Pac-12... Oregon or USC, they play the sixth game schedule. They have the seventh game in the conference title game. I don't know, Chris, that watching everybody else, A&M's really good. BYU, really good. Like uh, a one-loss Clemson, or sorry, a one-loss Notre Dame, if they lose to Clemson, I have a hard time seeing undefeated Oregon or USC jump into one of those teams. Yeah, and my problem with Oregon and USC is like, Six games into the season, are we really going to know that much about either team? 
USC just played the best team on its schedule on Saturday in Arizona State until potentially the um, Pac-12 championship game. Maybe Utah is better than we think, but we we won't even really get to see Utah because of COVID kind of issues in week one uh, for their week one opponent until next week. And then they play USC. And like we don't even know who Utah's quarterback is going to be at this point. It's probably going to be Jake Bentley, but like they've got an or on their depth chart. And Oregon schedules the same way. They have Washington State, UCLA, Oregon State, Cal, and Washington to end the year. Cal and Washington are both very good, but Cal might only end up getting to play four games at all this season. So when you talk about a seven, potentially a seven-win Pac-12 champion, I'm not really sure how that team's going to hold up against a nine-and-one Texas A&M that has played a pretty difficult schedule and has a win over Florida to that point. So I think the Pac-12 is in a lot of trouble and needs some help. Uh, barring Oregon or USC looking really dominant the rest of the way. And I didn't see signs from either one of the teams on Saturday. That's likely going to be the case. And then, I, I mean, we can get into this if you want. I think the group of five is where yeah. it really gets interesting. Okay, so so for the group of five, everyone's talking about BYU right now. Who has a better shot, though, BYU or Cincinnati? I mean, it, it has to be Cincinnati. As good as BYU has looked all season, and they have looked dominant. Like, Zach Wilson's a baller. Like they are making things happen. I believe their average scoring margins in the thirties. It's by far the best in the country. Like BYU has done everything it can absolutely have done to kind of put itself in this position. But Cincinnati's schedule is just far more difficult and they're winning in pretty similar fashion. Um, I believe they've already beaten army. They've already beaten Memphis and they've already beaten SMU. Memphis isn't what it was, but those are three probably top 40 victories in college football. And then they still have to play UCF and they still have to play Tulsa, both of which are top 25 caliber kind of fringe wins. And then they get the ACC championship game. So there's a scenario in which a 11-0 Cincinnati going through the most difficult group of five league is beating teams pretty handily every week, which they have. Their average scoring margins, I believe, either second or third highest in college football right now. Like I think that team has a more compelling argument than a BYU whose best win is uh, Boise State, a really banged up Boise State, by the way. And then probably Houston, a team that uh, Cincinnati just beat by 28 and BYU beat that team by 17. I realize those are not apples to oranges comparisons, but the committee does look at common opponent results. Well, great point but, about the the rest of BYU's schedule. Boise State is banged up. They're down to their third or second string quarterback, depending on how string, Jack Sears yeah. is doing. And then also, you know, in, in BYU's, not in their favor. They have two more games, uh, and one of them is an FCS team. So it's not yeah, their fault. They, they they had to and they adjust lost their the game schedule with, on the fly. Yeah, and they lost a game with Army in addition to that. Yeah. They just got postponed, which would have been a pretty important game, not only because Cincinnati also played Army this year, but just because Army's good. Um, right. So, yeah, it's not their fault, but they're in a difficult position because their schedule is just not that good. Let's do some um, cock, cocktail napkin math here. So let's say Ohio State's in. Big Big Ten's not going to challenge them. So Ohio State's in. Um, let's say Clemson beats Notre Dame and Alabama beats Florida. That's pretty easy top four, right? Um, yeah, Alabama would be number one uh, in that scenario. Clemson would be probably number three. Ohio, I did this out of order. Ohio State would be number two, and Notre Dame would be number four. That's how it would work. Yeah, because so you, you don't, you don't want to set up Clemson-Notre Dame semi-rematch. Yeah, so you'd have Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson-Notre Dame. Notre Dame would get that dreaded matchup with Alabama again, and we'd have a fantastic um, Clemson-Ohio State rematch from last year's, I believe, Fiesta Bowl yep. with Justin Lawrence, or Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So, so in, I think, what, in, in what situation does Notre Dame not get in with a loss if Florida wins beats Alabama 
And then the committee has to weigh Notre Dame versus Alabama. Yeah, probably. Um, okay. That would be a really that'd be a really intriguing scenario, and I think it depends on how Notre Dame looks the rest of the way. But if Alabama loses close to Florida and looks as good as it has all year, I think for- Notre Dame is the kind of odd team out right there. But I, I, Ohio State's schedule, as we discussed earlier, is not that good. If they look, if they stumble a little bit down the stretch, like what do you mean Notre stumble, Dame lose or not look good? Not look good. Let's say mm. they play Indiana close in a couple of weeks. Like maybe I don't know who's going to make the Big Ten championship game from the West. Like that division's a mess right now. But let's say maybe like a Northwestern gets through and Ohio State beats them by like seven or ten points. Like a one loss Notre Dame might have a better argument over a nine and Ohio State uh, just because of the kind of lack of kind of resume for Ohio State based on games played and opponents played. I don't think that's likely, but I think I think it's a possibility. That's interesting. That sounds sacrilegious, but the committee has, we, we'd say, oh, they, they would never do that to the Big Ten. They have done it to the Big Ten before. That's yeah. that's interesting. And then for Texas A&M, I know you already said it, but Texas A&M gets in with an Alabama win? They, what, do, were they, who, who's A&M rooting for in, in Atlanta? A&M's rooting for Alabama pretty hard. Because uh, that helps their loss. Well, it hurts their loss because Florida loses, but I guess it it help it helps it hurts their win, but it helps their loss. But more importantly, like the SEC is not getting three teams into the playoff. Right. So, so Alabama it removes needs to be it removes Florida from a quote unquote at large consideration. Yeah. And then, and then you need Clemson to pound Notre Dame or Notre Dame to pound Clemson. Probably Notre Dame to beat you Clemson. You need Notre you need Notre Dame to beat Clemson. Uh AM's path got a lot more difficult when I guess it depends on who you think's the better team. I think Clemson's better than Notre Dame when fully healthy. Right. So I would project Clemson to win that game down the line. Which hurts or which hurts Texas A&M because if two ACC teams get in, the chances that two SEC teams get in dramatically drop. Wow! Unless it's Florida and Alabama at the same time. Well, good stuff here, Chris. Um, your your projections are going to be up soon on twenty four seven Sports. They might already be, depending on what time you're listening to this. It's one of my favorite things uh, to to track all season. Of course, nothing matters more than the playoff race. First rankings come out November twenty fourth. We only have a month and a half until championship weekend, or maybe five weeks, so even less than that. It feels like we got a ways to go, though. A lot of stuff to figure out. For Chris Hummer, for our producer, Tiny Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. Thank you for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you Wednesday.